From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Thanks for inviting me to your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Well, hello there to all of you catching us on one of our 40-odd affiliate stations. Nothing odd about them. There are about 40 across the network, the podcast, of course, the Conspiracy Show app, the live YouTube stream, of course, the live YouTube chat. However, and wherever you're listening or watching, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, BTW, The uh, Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And uh, don't forget about my new podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. All right, Ian is here, our fine rockabilly friend, Albert and uh, Ryan, also in-house. Now, we used to do a segment on uh, this program called What's in the Box. It was our weekly remote viewing experiment, and listeners to the program would... They were invited to try and remote view an object that was hidden from view. It was placed in a cigar box here in studio, and we might bring that back at some point. I got a lot of emails. People say some loved it, some didn't like it so much. And my little guy, one of my twin uh, boys, North, keeps asking me, pestering really is the word, Dad, you got to bring back what's in the box. So we'll, we'll think about it. We'll consider it. And we had, I guess we did that for, what was it, maybe a year? Did we have that, instituted that, Albert? Was it about a year, maybe, in total? Could have been, yeah. When yeah. Douglas James Cottrell came on, it started then. We launched it with Douglas, right, yeah. the man with X-ray eyes. And um, we had some, I would say over a year, I don't know, I haven't done the math, but we had some, a lot of misses and a lot of interesting um, hits, really. And Albert, you had a couple of interesting hits, and Ian in the room had an interesting hit. Uh, Ryan, I'm, I'm sorry to say, you you never, ever, ever came close. You know what, you, you? Said, you said I came close once really? when I guessed uh, solar eclipse glasses, and it was swim goggles. Ah, you're right, that's true. But, okay, I, I, I humbly apologize, mm-hmm. you're right. You but o- often I was way off, yeah. Okay, no, that that is actually a pretty good hit. That's a pretty good hit. So, uh, the point is, you know, there are different types of, of remote viewing. Uh, oh, I recently—I should point out—I recently did a remote viewing experiment on my uh, my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, with uh, Douglas Cottrell. Uh, he had an object where he was uh, situated in near London, Ontario, and uh, I, w- I won't say that it was—you know—that I, ha- I hit it, na- hit, uh, I hit it the nail on the head exactly, but you know, well, pe- pe- people can listen to that episode and decide for themselves. Um, so, but Douglas's method and the method that we used here is entirely different. Uh, there is also coordinate remote viewing, uh, which was what I guess was being taught to uh, the psychic soldiers at places like Fort Meade back in the 1980s as part of the Pentagon Stargate program. And, and um, uh, Russell Targ uh, and, and Hal Putoff and, and others at the Stanford Research Institute was that uh, was that coordinate remote viewing, uh, Albert? Right, coordinate with the map, and they're using, you know, geographical locations. Right. Okay. Well, there's another kind of remote viewing that I um, heretofore not familiar with. It's called AV, and that's associative remote viewing. And we're going to learn about that over the next hour with an award-winning remote viewer. Igor Grigic is an IT system engineer. Uh, he works in the IT department of One Food Corporation in Croatia. In his free time, he's occupied with his true-life passions, and these include remote viewing, uh, a.k.a. non-local perception, and anomalous cognition, dream interpretation, and other 
PSI phenomenon, Igor uh, Debrelin Katz and Patrizio Trisaldi study associative remote viewing, ARV, a specific application of remote viewing during which predictions about events of circumstances can be made. ARV is a method of, uh, is a method to access information that will only be known in the future, and it is commonly connected with predicting outcomes of financial and sporting events. Igor and his team will be reviewing data from previously completed ARV trials. The researchers seek to understand what worked when predictions resulted in hits and what went wrong when predictions resulted in misses. Igor Grigic, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hello, thank you. I'm fine, thank you. Good morning and greetings from uh, Croatia. Okay, uh, the the audio is a, a little problematic. Igor, can you can you back away maybe from the? I'm not sure what's happening. Back away from the microphone a little bit, or can you hear me? Okay. I hear you great. Yeah. Okay. All right. It doesn't sound too bad now. All right. Now, Igor, first of all, am I pronouncing your last name? Is it Grigic or Grigic? Grigic. Grigic. All right. So, tell me, I, I described ARV a little bit, but go into mm-hmm. a little more explanation. When you talk about, uh, or when, when we, we, we describe ARV as a method to access future events, is that essentially correct? Uh, yes, yes. It can be future events, but also uh, uh, questions about things in present time or in past time. It, it doesn't have to necessarily be about the future. Okay. But this is the but this is the only method. I mean, one of the methods with which uh, we can uh, access information about the future, uh, about events uh, where we have a few selected possible outcomes. So in this case, ARV uh, can help us to get these answers much easier. Now, when I think of remote viewing, I think of trying to to locate an object or identify an object that's hidden from view. It could be in a remote location. Let's say, for example, you know, I mentioned the the, uh, psychic soldiers at Fort Meade, and maybe they're trying to locate a a missile silo in in Russia uh, or something like that. But you're talking about, in some cases with ARV, events. You're not talking about an object. You're talking about an event. So how then yes. is that different than than clairvoyance? Well, uh, clairvoyance is just uh, a general term. I don't know. It was used before 70s when the SRI uh, folks uh, coined the term remote viewing. So that sounds like more scientific, so they can get funds for their project. All right, you're breaking up a little bit. Uh, you're breaking up a little, Igor. Event. Okay. Uh, breaking up a little bit. I think what maybe we could okay. do is um, I'm wondering if you could perhaps email a phone number. We don't want to give it out over the air. If you could phone, email a phone number a landline number to my producer Albert, and then we can we can get Ian, our producer, to to call you after the break. Could we do that? Do you think? Okay, we can try. 
All right. If you're able to email, please include the country code and so forth, and email Albert, and then we'll uh, we'll try to get you on the landline. But we've, we'll do that after the break. Let me ask you, then. So how does it how does it differ, let's say, from coordinate remote viewing? What's the methodology? How do you um, uh, attempt to access information? Let's say a future event, for example. Let's say it's the outcome of a sporting event. What's the methodology? Okay, I will explain the ARV methodology. And I don't know, uh, I send you uh, some pictures. I don't know if the listeners can see that, see those pictures on the, yes, on the yes, uh, they can. Yes, YouTube they can. channel. We have them up right now. Because in, because in the case of ARV, uh, one picture really is like thousand words. I mean, I, I will explain it, but also looking at the picture will, will help a lot. So let me try to give what ARV is. So this is a method so, so we use to predict future outcomes of events through associating possible event outcomes with photo targets. And then a remote viewer is tasked to describe and sketch the target which will be associated with what will be the event's actualized outcome. I don't know if this is clear now, but uh, I will explain on, uh, on the example. So, uh, in example that I use, uh, which is also on my website. We're going to break. Just a reminder that uh, Igor Grigich is with us, award-winning associative Remote Viewer. We'll be back in a moment. Stay with us. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarin. All right. We are back with award-winning remote viewer Igor Grigic, uh, live from Croatia, and we're learning about associative remote viewing. Uh, are you there, Igor? Yes, I'm here. Ah, I appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much. It's it's a hundred percent better. I can I can tell already. So we're posting some of these photos that you sent along on uh, the uh, the YouTube. So associative remote viewing. So we're talking about something called a binary protocol, where we're predicting an outcome of a future event through associating two possible event outcomes with two photo targets. So explain yes. a little bit about that. What do you mean by two possible event outcomes with two photo targets. Let's say we want to predict a future outcome of a game. Right. Norway Norway versus Scotland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe you can, uh, maybe your first question would be, why don't we use uh, a normal remote viewing? I mean, coordinate remote viewing to view which of these two teams will win. Well, that's because uh, we want to make a remote viewer blind. So we want to make this process totally blind so that he can uh, do the remote viewing session, session totally unbiased, not knowing anything about uh, which teams we want to predict. Okay. So, 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 to, make him, uh, so to make remote viewer blind and unaware what we are going to predict so he can utilize only his... Uh, remote viewing skill. Uh, that's the point of uh, ARV, because with ARV we we uh, mask, uh, sort of speak, 
so to speak, uh, the outcomes with, uh, and we associate two possible outcomes with two different pictures. And then the remote viewer, instead of directly viewing uh, Norway or, or Scotland outcome, will remote view actually these two photo targets. Okay, let me go through the example. Uh, let's say we have photo one is a photo of a child. Yes. And photo two is a photo of a truck. So now what I talk about, this will do another person, not the remote viewer. This is the and tasker. Another person is, co- is called the tasker. Right. Now. And remote viewer must be completely blind. Then the tasker will associate photo, uh, child photo with one of the outcomes. Let's say outcome that Norway will win. And uh, photo number two, the truck photo, will be associated with uh, uh, other outcome, which is Scotland will, will win. So this is completely blind to the viewer. And now uh, the tasker will send a tasking to the viewer and will ask the viewer, please describe and sketch your feedback photo. Okay. Now... Now the remote viewer, totally blind to the outcomes and totally blind to the photos, will just go to the session and try to describe the photo which will be associated with future outcome. And that information, of course, the outcome we will know after the game is over. And after the game is over, the tasker will send the actual uh, photo to the viewer, and this will be the photo which was associated with what was the actual uh, outcome. All right, now, let me just uh, see if I can understand this. So, the photo photo number one is, this, yes. is a child, and yes. photo number two is a truck. If the remote yes. viewer describes photo number one, the outcome, let's say, would be that Norway wins. If the remote viewer describes the truck, the future outcome would be that Scotland wins. Let's say it's a football match or a soccer match. Who decides on the target photos? Is it the tasker? The tasker selects target photos. Okay, so it could be anything. He could say that that photo number... Anything, yes, anything, yeah. Now, so the remote viewer in this exercise, he doesn't he doesn't know what the photo targets are, and also he doesn't know no. what the mission is. He doesn't know which future event he's predicting. He's just trying to identify one photo or the other. Yes, correct. The remote viewer doesn't know anything about targets. It's 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 uh, a remote viewer is totally blind to targets and to the and even to the game selected. Fascinating. So, who developed ARV? Well, uh, ARV was de- developed some somewhere in 1970s. I think uh, there are a few people who work on it. It was Stephen Schwartz and also uh, Russell Targ. Ah, all right, at the Stanford Research Institute. Yeah, yeah. And do we have data, Igor, to compare, contrast ARV with coordinate remote viewing? 
Is one more accurate, more successful than the other? Well, you can directly compare because in ARV we have uh, we want to predict outcome of events with only uh, two possible outcomes or three or four. Uh, so you cannot uh, you cannot compare accuracy in in that uh, in that way directly. Okay. Now you are an award-winning uh, ARV uh, or a, a remote viewer. Uh, tell us about the uh, the organization uh, that awarded you this this prize. It was a, a parapsychological uh, association uh, where we won this uh, award, these uh, funds. So uh, my colleague Deborah Lynn Katz and I have been uh, working together and part of one uh, remote viewing organization called uh, Applied Precognition Project. Uh, I'm a member there for the last four years, and I worked uh, with Deborah on a number of uh, different ARV projects. Um, uh, And in this big community, we try to predict outcome of sports uh, events or financial outcomes using ARV. So we have a massive collection of data, of past data, uh, because I also uh, manage uh, one rem- uh, one ARV group. So over the over the years, uh, I collected a lot of data. So and then we, Deborah and I, came to the idea that we could uh, do the judging process again. So the judging process in ARV is when a judge or a tasker compares the remote viewing session from the viewer compares to the two photo targets and decide uh, which of the two targets is a better match with the session. So in our example, if uh, if a judge or a tasker uh, finds that a session from a remote viewer is a, is a good or great match with the child photo, then we can conclude uh, we can uh, we can make a prediction that Norway will win so uh, and based on this all this data uh, we figured we can uh, uh, assign 10 different 10 different judges to uh, judge independently and came up with their own predictions and when this study will uh, finish we will have a 10 new sets of data which we will compare to the original judge predictions. And so we are hoping we can learn uh, what was wrong when uh, there was an ARV miss. Um, we will see how was one judge, for example, too permissive or too harsh while judging. We also have a team of judges in this study, so we'll see how a team of judges, judges uh, how we can compare that to uh, a single judge. Also, we will see if uh, we can uh, detect if some judge is better in his job than some other judge. And so, these are some of things uh, we are exploring and hoping to find a new answer so we can help uh, the 
this uh, very interesting uh, ARV field to progress more. Igor Grigich is uh, with us, an award-winning remote viewer, and we're talking about a remote viewing uh, protocol I've not heretofore uh, heard of before. It's called associative remote viewing, and right now on the uh, the YouTube uh, uh, stream you can see an explanation of it. Essentially, again, it's predicting an outcome of a future event through associating two possible event outcomes with two photo targets. So, in other words, imagine a future event. It's a soccer contest between uh, Norway and Scotland. The tasker uh, has two photographs hidden from view from the remote viewer, and uh, the tasker has assigned one photograph for one outcome and another photograph for another outcome. So let's say, in the example, a child represents a photograph of a child represents the outcome of a Norway victory, and a truck, a photograph of a truck, represents the outcome of a Scotland uh, victory. And now the remote viewer, his his uh, task is to uh, remote view one of those photos, and whichever one, obviously, that comes up, the 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 the, the uh, child or the truck determines uh, the likely outcome of the soccer match. So tell us about some of your more notable hits, uh, uh, Igor, using associative remote viewing. Can you talk about some sporting events or financial events that you successfully remote viewed using ARV? Yes. I'm doing this with my ARV group uh, like almost four years. There were uh, like dozens of view, remote viewers in my group and I, I don't remote view. I, I serve this group as a, as a manager, as a tasker. I collect the data and so on. So we had uh, uh, lots of hits. Uh, we've been doing uh, predicting uh, uh, currency pairs on the forex market. We've been doing also, uh, I don't know, games like, like, uh, American football, baseball, and soccer. But you have to understand that ARV is not 100% accurate. Uh, it's more like, uh, 60% or 65 or, uh, very skilled remote viewers can achieve 70% or even higher. Okay. And and what are the what is, what is the percent the that could be accounted for by mere chance? What would that be? Yeah, uh, also it's important to understand that when we select an event which we want to predict, we want to have that both outcomes are uh, have a roughly equal chance to occur. That right. The probability of both outcomes is uh, roughly equal, which means 50-50, 50%. 50%. Uh, and, and with ARV, you can achieve, uh, so like 60, 70, or 80. So it gives you like 10% extra edge over 50%. So if, 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 uh, uh, if, uh, 50% is what is expected by, I don't know, uh, a wild guessing or uh, like a point cost yes. event. Yes. Then, then you you get this extra ten percent edge, or sometimes you can even get twenty percent. And when you think of it, 
that is really huge because with proper uh, uh, money management and proper uh, betting uh, methods, betting techniques, you, with this extra edge, you can you can make uh, profits uh, long term. Now, the tasker who chooses the photo targets, is that completely random? They just wake up and decide, okay, uh, the picture of a hamburger means the stock market is going up, and a picture of a hot dog mm-hmm. means the stock market is going down. Is it simply random on the part of the tasker, or is there a methodology, a protocol to choosing the photo targets? Well, it is random, absolutely. Uh, the tasker can select any any photo uh, which is out there. It, do, it doesn't matter which one. But, of course, uh, the tasker must make sure that these two photo, photos are uh, dissimilar from each other as much as possible. Because, in our example, we have a child photo and truck photo. So, one, one, uh, the first photo is uh, a life form. The second photo is uh, man-made, uh, man-made uh, uh, vehicle. So we must we must make it as different as possible. We don't want for both photos to be uh, child photo, child uh, 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 one child and second child. So because when because in this case, while judging, the judge will have a very hard time to decide which of these two childs was actually described by by a viewer so it right. will be a very hard choice to analyze that's why it must the, the photos must be different understood so my example not a and, good one the hot dog and the hamburger not a good choice you would yeah, want that, you would want a yeah, hamburger that is not a good choice yeah. okay so hamburger perhaps means the stock market goes up and a um, uh, an owl uh, means the stock market goes uh, down. So an an, an animate yeah. object and an inanimate object. Now, do the yeah, that would be better. Yeah. Now, are the photographs? Do they do they have to be uh, well hidden from view view, but in close proximity? D- does the tasker actually have to print out these photos and place them somewhere, uh, or could he just can he see the the or he or she see the images in their head? Well, uh, in the old days, I mean in the 70s and 80s, when they first started doing this, they used uh, envelopes, they printed out uh, photographs and put them in en- envelopes. But even prior to that, they just used uh, a real objects. For example, you go to the kitchen and select an apple and select, I don't know, a plate. And then they put these two objects somewhere, I don't know, uh, in the in the closet and just label the apple with first outcome and label the plate with second outcome. And then they uh, said to the viewer, please describe me the, the object. I will show you after the outcome. So after the outcome, the task uh, would simply take, I don't know, if the uh, if the associated image, which turned out to be the outcome, was the sorry, not image, the object was a apple, then the tester would just just simply take the apple and hand it over to the remote uh, viewer. Okay. So 
you see, you see, this was in the beginning, but then they started to use pictures, printed pictures, envelopes, and today we use uh, computer uh, photographs. We store everything in the computer. All right, we got to take a time out. We'll come back and uh, delve into this further. Stay with us as we discuss associative remote viewing with an award-winning remote viewer, Igor Grigich, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, welcome back. Just uh, in a little uh, mid-show confab with uh, my feature producer, Ryan White. Just wondering if we might be able to... Con- I know it's short notice. Igor Grigic is uh, with us, uh, Associate of Remote Viewer, joining us live from Croatia. This is fascinating. Uh, now, Igor, we didn't set this up ahead of time. I don't want to put you on the spot. But if we were, for example, uh, to choose, let's say, a couple of photographs. Let's say they're JPEGs on a computer. And we, we tuck those away in a folder on a desktop. And um, we assign each photo target and an outcome of a future event and we don't tell you what the future event is could we before the the hour is up have you remote view either of those photo targets and then we can maybe do the reveal next week on the show i don't know i'm just throwing that out there who would remote view you would i don't know <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not sure about about now, uh, I know it's short notice, and I didn't want to put you on the spot, but I throw. I thought I'd throw that out there. Any event. If we don't do it now, maybe we could we could set it up and we could do it at a future event, a future show. We could do an experiment. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, we we could do that. I could uh, arrange uh, a really uh, one uh, good remote viewer from my uh, group, so we can do that. So next time. I okay, think. we we will we will set that up then. So am I to understand then? You are primarily the tasker on these ARV teams. Yes. Yes. Okay. So your team. Yes, I do. The, I do that. I do the tasking and the judging of the sessions. Okay. So it's your team that was awarded for the prize, not just you personally. What are the skills necessary for a good tasker? What makes a good tasker? Well, uh, you have to. Follow the, the ARV, uh, some rules, some simple rules. So you have to keep viewers blind, blind of the photos, of course. You have to select, uh, the, the proper, uh, photo, which must be, as I said, explained, uh, different from each other, dissimilar. So the judging phase is, uh, later on, uh, much easier. And you always have to deliver the correct uh, actualized uh, target to the viewer. You must only uh, deliver the, the the target which is uh, associated with actual outcome. And then this target becomes the feedback target. So the remote viewer only sees the feedback target, and that is important for a viewer because at that point, the viewer learns learns how to... Actually, he learns this process because in this way, when he sees the feedback photo, his subconscious mind then establishes a connection, connection which was first uh, established during the 
remote viewing session in present time. So by seeing the future fo- uh, the future feedback photo, he like entangles these two moments in time, and this way uh, it's like practicing. If you practice this off, uh, often enough, practice, 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 then you get better, better, and better, and your skills as a remote viewer improves. Uh, let me see if I understand this. Mm-hmm. Let's say, for example, I'm asking about the outcome of the Super Bowl. The Patriots and the Eagles and the Pats are favored by about five I think points. Five and a half points. Okay, yeah. so not a great example because it's not uh, like a 50-50 chance. But let's say the Patriots, yeah. the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles, let's say it's a toss-up and that uh, it could go either way. So the remote viewer doesn't know that that's the task. He doesn't know that we're asking them to choose the Super Bowl winner. And let's say we've assigned an apple, a shiny red apple photograph, and that is the target photo for the Patriots to win. That's the outcome, the Patriots win. And let's say we have assigned a, a photograph of the Statue of Liberty, and that's the Eagles' target photo, if the outcome is the Eagles win. So then, the remote viewer, those two photographs hidden from view, the remote viewer focuses on coming up with an image, and let's say the remote viewer, what, draws or describes the Statue of Liberty. Does the tasker deliver the photograph that the remote viewer described before the outcome or after the outcome? After, always after, yes. This is important, of course. The remote viewer will not see the images any time before the outcome is finished. Only after the outcome is finished, then the tasker will uh, deliver the feedback photo. All right. Now, what is the remote viewer doing? Uh, How are they... Are they describing the photograph? Are they drawing the photograph? How does that happen? Yeah, they do both, yeah. In a remote viewing session, they focus on the feedback photo, and in the session they uh, describe by using words, sketches. Uh, they simply write down on a piece of paper every every perception, every every sensory uh, every sensory perception that comes to, comes to mind. So there's kind of an interesting challenge here. Not only must they come up with one of two images out of all the possible photographs and images that are out there, and they are infinite practically, they have to describe one of those two images, and then they have to describe the correct image that's uh, associated with yes, the, the actual outcome. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah. That's an incredibly difficult task. All right, we'll take a time out. We'll come back with Igor Grigich, Associative Remote Viewing, right here on the Conspiracy Show. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Uh, just a reminder: coming up next week on the program, author Bryce Zabel. Uh, he has in the past worked with, uh, I think, Richard Dolan. Um, I, I believe he co-authored After Disclosure with Richard Dolan. He, ha- he has a new book out uh, called Once There Was a Way, What If the Beatles Stayed Together? Can't wait. As a uh, as a Beatle nut, self-described Beatle nut, 
Um, I love these alternative history uh, uh, books, and this uh, comes from Bryce, who previously was a Sideways Alternative History Award winner. It's a, it's a new genre. So, well, I don't know how new it is, but that's, uh, that's what it's called, alternative history. And uh, previously he wrote uh, one about Kennedy called Surrounded by Enemies. What if Kennedy had survived Dallas? So once there was a way, what if the Beatles had stayed together? Second hour, L.A. Marzulli. We'll talk about those elongated skulls from Peru. They've performed some DNA testing, and he'll reveal, perhaps, we hope, the results. Uh, right now, uh, we are talking about associative remote viewing with Igor uh, Grigich, who is part of a team of associate remote viewers. He's uh, the tasker, and uh, we've been describing how it works and so forth. But what is the underlying principle? Do we know, uh, Igor, how it works? How is it that simply, not simply, but how is it that if a remote viewer identifies one of the target photographs associated with an outcome of a future event, that that will I correctly identify the the outcome of the future event. How does it work? Do we even know? Well, as in the case in remote viewing or coordinate remote viewing, for the viewer, it's always the same. He just needs to describe the feedback photo. In coordinate remote viewing, uh, there is only one target, which is always, of course, blind to the viewer. So from the aspect of viewing, uh, it's very similar. And... uh, and how how it's done? Well, the science doesn't know yet how it's how it's working because there is not yet a physical model or, or theory which would describe how psi functions in in general. But from the evidence and from the oldest studies from the last 40 years or even more, we know that this phenomena is real. Now. Aside from a sporting event or a financial event, like the stock market going up or down, or Bitcoin, you know, falling or rising, what other applications are there? Because, as you say, you need to pick something where the outcome is basically 50-50. Yeah, uh, I said 50-50 because in this way we can uh, more easily uh, measure and calculate what was that uh, extra edge. It doesn't have to be always 50-50. Actually, some teams are uh, predicting a straight-up winner. So uh, uh, one team can be a favorite, the other team can be an underdog. So it will, it's not a 50-50 chance. So you can do this as well. But for me personally, I like to do more 50-50 because it's uh, uh, with proper money management, it can produce more steady profits. For example, if you have uh, um, always, do it, always doing uh, uh, underdog versus favorite, then you can have five uh, winnings, five hits on the favorite. And let me ask you then, because you make available sort of courses on how to learn, how to associate remote viewing. Now, I mean, we don't have time to get into the whole course here, but... If I want to learn how to remote view, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I work with, with uh, Dr. Cottrell, who comes on the program a lot, we call him Canada's Edgar Casey. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. James, Douglas James Cottrell. But he's just telling me to sort of clear my mind, don't let my conscious mind get in the way, and just 
and don't guess and don't think, but, you know, just allow myself to open up my mind and allow the, the image to form in my mind and so forth. And with practice, I guess, we all have that innate ability. But with associative remote viewing, is it more complicated than that or what's involved? No, no, no. It will be the same. You simply, like you said, you calm your mind, you make your thoughts go away, you you just uh, make a, a short cool down to relax and then just go through the session. Just just write on the piece of paper uh, what comes to your 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 mind, what you sense about target, the the subtle uh, sensations, uh, uh, sensory. Uh, uh, what sensories do you get about the target? And we talk about like five sensories, like taste, smells, colors, dimensions, and stuff like that. And does the tasker and the remote viewer, do they need to be in the same location? No, they can be anywhere in the world, yeah. Okay. Anywhere. And the photographs, the two photographs, they could be physical photographs in an envelope or they could be JPEGs in a folder on a desktop? Whatever, any of that. It can be whatever you like. And does the tasker also try, I don't know, through telepathy or does he he or she try and focus as well on the photographs and try and... In, in, a, in, in an attempt to aid the remote viewer? Does the tasker focus on the photographs themselves? No, no. The tasker does not focus on the photograph, and the tasker can be blind as well to the photographs. So, so far we talked about the tasker will take the photograph, but with the help of computer program, you can do that. You can let that to the program, and the program can do that instead of a tasker. So actually no one, no one at all is aware what the two targets are. Ah, so it's a double-blind study almost. Yeah. But, yeah. Who, but who comes up with the future outcome state, uh, future outcome task? How is that generated? Well, if you use the program and photos are selected by the program, then after the, then at the judging stage, after the session is done, the session are sent, sent, the viewer sends his session to the tasker. And only after the session, the tasker would uh, look into the program, look at those two photos, and then judge. Because someone has to judge. Someone has to decide uh, what, which of the two photos is a better match. Right. Until we get uh, an artificial intelligence. Uh, which will be able to judge instead of a human being. Until we have that technology, we still need have to have a judge to analyze. I understand, the but Igor, my question was: yes. then who generates? If let's say in a double-blind situation where the tasker also doesn't know what the photographs are, who then generates the future outcome target? In other words, decides that it's going to be a football match or it's going to be a, you know, uh, the stock market going up and down. How is that generated? Okay, uh, which event will choose to predict? This can be selected by the tasker or you can have a list of 10 different events in a file and then the computer can select one randomly. Ah, got it. Understood. Okay. Could it be used also to predict 
let's say, a non-sporting event, a non-financial event, let's say, for example, the likelihood of a war or a terrorist attack or some sort of cataclysmic event? Yes, you can define any life event, but with ARV you just have to stick with few possible choices, like yes or no question. It doesn't have to be, you know, two choices, two possible outcomes. It can be three or four. ARV, in this example, we selected only two photos for two uh, outcomes. It can be event with three outcomes or four, but and this is called a multi-peak in ARV, but as... Uh, as, uh, when you have more photos, then it's harder to judge. You have to have more pictures, and for right. analysts, is uh, harder to select one of the okay. uh, photos as a prediction. Now, Igor, could I have my my producer Albert follow up with you, and we could arrange at some time in the not too distant future an experiment where we have a remote viewer on your end. And perhaps one of the three of us here in studio in Toronto could play the role of Tasker, and we could set up an, an experiment. Oh, yes, yes, sure. I, I will uh, ask uh, one of my viewers who wants to participate. Yeah. Excellent. In the meantime, if people want to learn more about ARV, perhaps take a course. What should they do? The folks can go to my website, arv-studio.com. There are some examples of our work, of our hits, and explanation in more detail what's ARV. They can look uh, on Facebook for remote viewing community. Also on Google, they can find uh, remote viewing teachers. ARV-studio.com. ARV-studio.com. Igor, my producer, will be in touch. Thank you so much for this. Okay, thank you. Thank you for this interview, and take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, thanks to Ian, Albert, and Ryan. Back next week, Bryce Zabel. What if the Beatles had stayed together? And L.A. Marzulli, the elongated skulls of Peru. Until then, so long for now.